Welcome back to our second episode of Chalk Talk. I'm joined by Jeremy Barr and uh, additional guest, Maddie Height. Hello, hello. Happy to be here. Should be at my second semester of senior year at Lehigh, but things happen. (laughs) Yep, definitely uh, not not a good thing to happen. Uh, Spring semester, senior year. Our feelings go out to all of our uh, seniors <laughs> at all of the colleges across the country. Tough. All right. So uh, our first topic of today is going to be on the uh, Jay Glazer breaking news situation. He had uh, announced a tweet via Twitter um, saying that he would have breaking news within the next 24 hours. Uh, I think this gave um, NFL fans a little uh, – Time for excitement in this um, brutal time. Yet, um, Jay, I think, uh, brought us down back again. <laughs> um, unfortunately, this is pretty much the like a metaphor for how 2020 is going. Last year, Jay Glazer comes in with the with the hot tweet, got big news coming, and it's the bomb. OBJ traded to the giant uh, to the Browns from the Giants. This year, Jay Glazer's coming in a hot tweet again. Got big news dropping. Fox, watch Fox Sports tonight, 11 p.m. He says that Brian Allen gets Corona, the center for the Broncos. Um, does anyone really like? Sorry for that guy, but like, does anyone really care about that? Or like, yeah, I feel like we already heard Tom Hanks got Corona. Like, it can't get more. Center, the center for the Rams, by the way. But center for the Rams. <laughs> my apologies. But, I mean, uh, exactly. Yeah, I mean, our, our hearts go out to Brian Allen and his family. We we hope he's in uh, good condition and it's not a serious case. But Jay, let's be honest, man. I mean, I'm a big fan. I don't. I don't think, really think it's needed to announce something uh, of that caliber with such angst. I mean, you had NFL fans on the uh, edge of their seats, and it was just really unwarranted in this situation, man. I mean. Big Jake Glazer guy, uh, love glazed and confused on uh, the Dwayne Johnson show Ballers, but I mean, man, that just was stocked down on Jake Glazer. I mean, the best part was is that he said he woke up to like 300 texts from all 32 NFL teams, coaches, players, staff members saying, what's your news? I mean, I can't even imagine just going on your show so much hype everyone who follows the nfl is watching you and you just announce that someone has coronavirus i mean not to diminish the coronavirus or anything but that's pretty i don't even know no words no words my theory is just that jay glazer's bored and so he just wanted to get all these tweets and texts saying dude what the fuck like we thought something big was happening you let us all down (laughs) I, i just think he wanted the Wanted some activity on his feed. Yeah, this is really out of Jay's territory. I mean, you know, to give – he's usually a nice, credible source um, wanting to give, um, you know, important breaking news. But I just did not see this one coming from Jay at all. This was a real disappointment. I, mean, I don't even think breaking news is – like, when you break news, there's news. Breaking news is not – I will share you some breaking news. Like, yeah. that is not how it works. Journalism does not work like that. I've not seen that in a while. Well, anyways, in other NFL news, um, 
rumors have been swirling about um, former New York Giants wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr. will be on the move. Um, Adam Schefter tweeted out a few days ago that he would be heading to Minnesota possibly as a replacement for Stefan Diggs. Um, then I think a little later in the day, those rumors were deemed false. And then I think the rumors picked back up again. Um, you know, OBJ on the move again, uh, you know, definitely brings up some concerns about his um, personality in the locker room, how different people can deal with him, how different people think he fits into the system. There's no doubt he's a talented player with some uh, crazy athletic ability, but comes to a point where just can't handle it anymore. Did Schefter tweet that or did you get uh, fooled by the, the troops guy? Troops guy. Yeah, Barry loves the troops. I, I don't think Schefter tweeted that, my man. I think that was... Barry McCockner? Uh, yeah, I think you got a, <laughs> I think you might have got fooled on that one, Spence. Well, what are you going to do about that one? What are you going to do? But anyway, uh, I think people were talking about Odell based on the Jay Glazer news. I don't think... I think people heard Jay Glazer and they just... They, they were hopeful that it was Odell news. Everyone loves seeing Odell news or getting moved or some of that stuff, but I don't think it's realistic. Why would they trade Stefan Diggs just to get another like similar player? It, it really, there's no, uh, doesn't make sense to me. Also, is Odell like ever going to be happy wherever he is? I mean, I feel like he always has a reason to be upset every time he like changes teams or he's always unhappy I, I mean it comes to a certain point where you you're not bigger than your team and I think that especially in this case when all these rumors are going around and then he gets his he opens up his uh the package of Browns jerseys which don't see much difference there um and is actually excited about it but then goes and then goes around and complains about like being on the Browns so I think it's interesting Definitely an interesting point to bring up. I mean, the, the happiest we've probably seen Odell Beckham Jr. is in the uh, LSU locker room post game of the national championship yeah. game, slapping security guards' asses. So, I mean, there's definitely a <laughs> question about uh, Odell Beckham Jr. for sure. Uh, in his defense, he is in Cleveland, Ohio, so I think you got to <laughs> cut him some slack. I uh, don't think there's much going on there. So oh, Odell likes ain't to be that the, bad of a place. I mean, not that bad, but, you know, he likes to be the center of attention. He, he wants the New York. Hold it down in the land. Uh, <laughs> he wants to be in the L.A. He wants to be a movie star. He wants to fucking attack Nets on the sideline, get all the headlines, but uh, not much of that going on in uh, Cleveland. It's too bad. That is too bad. Couldn't, couldn't – uh... Seal deal in New York in the big city. Can't seal a deal in the little city in Cleveland. So where's he supposed to be? I mean, what's his next stop? You know? I don't know. But uh, speaking of the big city, there's some other news coming out of New York. <laughs> no, not Odell news. We got uh, Jamal Adams, the saga going on there. Jets fans going crazy. Uh, what do you guys think about that? Yeah, I mean, Jets fans are overreacting all over the place. I mean – you know, those who really understand Joe Douglas's mantra, I think, have trust in him and think he um, knows what he's doing. He's got a pretty good uh, resume working with Ozzie Newsom with the Ravens and over with the Eagles and Howie Roseman. So he knows what he's doing. Um, 
uh, in his mind, I truly believe as a Jets fan that he'll uh, get the deal done with Jamal. It's just not needed at this point in time. He's got other uh, issues to deal with in terms of revamping the O-line and the other holes in the Jets roster. With the draft coming up, there's no time to uh, work out a situation for Jamal out for Jamal Adams' long-term contract. But on the other hand, you know, Jamal has to do his part and stay out of the news. I mean, he's a big tweeter. Jamal, I love that man. Um, he's the heart and soul of the Jets, but that, that guy can't stay away from socials. It's a little too uh, – <laughs> voice his opinion a little too much on those. I mean, I think it's interesting, the trend so far. Minka Fitzpatrick wanted out. Jalen Ramsey kind of wanted out, well, once out. And then you have another situation on your hands with Jamal Adams. I mean, obviously, I think he's worth more than he's getting his contract is right now. But in the big picture, I mean, I think he can wait another year to sign that deal because the focus – Obviously, it shouldn't be on him. It should be about, like, rebuilding that team. Right. I'm with you on that, Maddie. I think at the end of the day, he's not even done with his rookie contract. So I think he's in his third year going on, going on to his fourth. So he still has his fifth-year option. There's still a possible franchise tag. So I think it's all in due time. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, MVP quarterback, hasn't even gotten his second contract yeah. yet. So it's a little selfish on his half, I think. Like, I get it. He wants to get paid, but so do we all. He just has to, to wait it out. And then secondly, going on the Twitter thing, he definitely likes putting on a show. Uh, he tweeted the other day, a few weeks back, I'll, I'll remember all the players who were drafted ahead of me. And someone was like, dude, you're, you're drafted six. Like, there's five players. Obviously, you remember that. Like, he just likes, he likes the attention, I think, a little bit too much. Love him. But, Stir the pot. Yeah. Jamal Adams is a big showman. No doubt. But in other news, in New York, a couple hundred miles north in West New York, uh, Buffalo Bills GM Brandon Bean commented on David Gettleman, uh, alluding to that David Gettleman is fooling the media and is almost acting as a uh, detective of some sorts, (laughs) possibly trying to... uh, think that he's uh, dumber than he actually is. I mean, Joe, I mean, David Gettleman, rather, is playing mind games with everyone, not even the NFL GMs, but the media. I mean, the tweet, that's all I have to say. That tweet of him in his living room compared yeah. to uh, Chargers GM, I mean, it's it's entertaining, but I honestly think, I mean – I think he's the right man for the job. I, I think he's going to blow people away next year, but big predictions for me. I mean, that picture looked like he was studying for a <laughs> economics exam, <laughs> economics <laughs> final for college. Uh, you look at, like, he has, what, a one laptop in front of him? One uh, laptop, well, yep. If he's trying to fool people, he's doing a really good job by uh, the, really following through with actually drafting these people, like uh, Daniel Jones and, and, and those guys, but – I'm not a huge Gettleman guy, but if he's fooling everyone, he, he's, he's got me, so good on him. Yeah, I can't say I'm on the Gettleman train myself. I mean, he's made some, made some questionable decisions. Yeah. The Leonard Williams trade especially. Um, Daniel you. Jones pick, uh, you know, it's very up in the air right now. I mean, we'll see how he turns out. 
Um, obviously hit on Saquon, but I mean, you know, we, I could have picked that with my eyes closed. But Nate, Nate Soldier. Nate Soldier, paying for him a lot. I mean, just questionable decisions. But, you know, I, I guess know. only time will tell with the Giants' fate in the NFC East. Like, I just don't understand how, like, pretending you don't use computers is beneficial to you at all. Like, at the end of the day, <laughs> you just got to you just gotta make the picks. And I don't think anyone's like, oh, no, like, he's been not using – like, faking us. Like, I don't understand how that would be beneficial. I think it's kind of a, like, pretty good cover job on Gettleman's part, pretending he's a secret agent going undercover or whatever he's doing. Yeah. I mean, it's not – yeah. I mean, it just goes with the whole – the whole stigma with him just yeah. adding to it, fueling his fire. So <laughs> uh, to go a little bit more into the NFL, obviously the draft coming up this Thursday, there's been a few rumors and news surrounding it. Uh, two is Wonderlick came out as 13. Not great. Uh, what do you guys think about that? I mean, the, the Wonderlick is in itself has really not proven to, um, be much of a great measurement system for anything in terms of players pinning out in the NFL. Um, I mean, it definitely doesn't help to his case with the um, ongoing injuries to his hip and ankle. Um, so, I, I mean, you know, it's only going to plumb his draft stock even more, um, potentially even out of the top 10. Um, I think experts or who deem themselves NFL draft experts and media don't exactly know what they're talking about all the time, but this year more so than not due to the pro days. And I think even teams have a very uh, wide array of views on uh, who's at the top of their boards because during these pro days, during the, uh, you know, workouts and stuff, these teams are often talking a ton, just kind of, creating a little bit of a mantra of who's at the top of their boards kind of discussing you know who they like who they don't like with other NFL scouts and GMs and this year I think will surprise a lot of different teams and fans of where some of these guys are picked in the draft uh definitely agree with you on that one but I think it's also just shining a light that the media really has no idea like what they're talking about even in the past years, you see people have bust like busted all the time. Mel Kuyper has said people are going to be great and, and they sucked. I think it's really just shining a light that they really don't know. And saying this year is different than any other year, I think, is not true. I think every other year no one really knows. And it's just uh, shining a light on that. I mean, no one really knows until the draft happens. I mean, it's there's a different headline every day about potential trades, this and that who's getting who, who might trade for who. I mean, it's just so much buzz around, like, something that you have no idea what's going to happen. And I honestly, going off of your point, um, I think Jake Fromm is very underrated right now. Um, That's my take. He – and if the Steelers could land him, I – that would be a dream come true for them. I think he's heavily underrated. Despite, I know there's some concerns about him, about his size and his uh, physical capabilities, but 
his ability to he, win uh, the big game. Yeah. <laughs> big Fromm was the high scorer on the Wonderlick, by the way. Yeah. I think NFL teams might view that as a negative. Might be uh, being in the books too much. Might think he's a nerd. He doesn't have the, <laughs> the alpha mentality to lead the team. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure on Jake Fromm. Uh, definitely 50-50 for me. Yeah. <clears throat> I could definitely see Jake Fromm sliding. I could see him being taken mid-fourth, fifth round. But I don't see him really being taken until, um, you know, later in day two for sure. Um, but remains to be seen. In other draft news, um, uh, there's been a few reportings on Makai Becton. Uh, a bunch of scouts and front office uh, personnel are concerned about his weight. Um, recently, Makai's dropped weight, actually, since the season, believe it or not. Um, during the season, he was ballooned up to almost 400 pounds. I believe he was in the 385, 390 range. And I think uh, around now it's reported he was around 365, 370. Um, one scout was quoted that he was more concerned about his cooking and <laughs> dietary habits, not in a good way. Uh, as a more, he was more inclined about his dietary and cooking habits as opposed to his football. So it's definitely some something to bring up. That's a big boy, 385 pounds for definitely sure. A body. <laughs> I think it's the classic. Does he care about football? Like uh, rumor. There's always a few. Uh, I think they got it right with Josh Rosen. They're like, oh, he likes politics. He cares that the NCAA is rigged. He probably doesn't care about football that much. Maybe this one is the same. Maybe it's different. I like Makai Becton. I think he's definitely a big body. But uh, I think if you like cooking, I don't, I don't see how that affects your NFL ability. You like food. And uh, his drug test was flagged. So maybe that will affect it even more so than the, the cooking factor. I think, if anything, it helps with the camaraderie and the chemistry with your teammates. <laughs> I mean – all these guys are going to be wanting to have dinner with him and chefing up meals for them. I mean, I only see positives in this situation. I mean, he also has never failed a drug test in college. So, yeah, but it's why also would he Louis- fail one now when he's for the draft? Also I feel like Louisville, it's- though, one of the sketchier colleges. <laughs> yeah. But uh, true, true, yeah. I mean, Laramie Tunsil before the draft came out with the the gas mask bong. I think if, if if that didn't really derail his draft stock, I think Mekhi Becton will be fine. For sure. I do think Tunsil was a little bit of a more intriguing prospect than Becton, but it definitely falls under the um, same category in terms of uh, draft stock plummeting or not. I just think it would be it's like hilarious to me to think about him cooking for the whole team like a big chef's hat and like uh, – like a, an a bit, apron, yeah, an apron, <laughs> like like barbecuing yeah. for the for the whole squad. I think that's like a hilarious picture in my head. For some reason, I just had the song "Stir Fry" going. Oh my god! Definitely could help the camaraderie. I'm with you on that one, Spence. If you if you could be the team cook along with left tackle, that's that's a dual 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 threat. Dual threat line. Swiss Army knife right there. I've ever seen. Yeah. 
All right, so that will do it for our second episode of Chalk Talk. We have an interview with Sam Hartman coming up. I hope you guys all enjoy. Thanks. I just flipped the switch. Okay, on today's episode of Chalk Talk, we have Sam Hartman, Wake Forest quarterback, star of Netflix series QB1 Beyond the Lights. Sam, what's going on, man? Nothing much, man. Happy to happy to be a part of the, the start of this, this little podcast, Zoom, whatever you want to call it. But uh, I'm excited to be here, man. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, we're happy to have you. We're happy to have you. So uh, just to get into things a little bit, um, you know, clearly you're the uh, big Netflix star before you even head over to uh, Wake Forest, before you're even, you know, on, uh, you know, TV and playing ball on TV there. But can you tell us a little bit about the QB1 experience, maybe some distractions, how it's prepared you for uh, life at the D1 level, that sort of thing? Uh, yeah, man, it was it was a cool honor. Um, I remember uh, the first thing, first interaction really I had was it was watching the first season. Um, I was actually in my room here back at home, and I was watching. I was like, "Oh man, that's pretty cool. That'd be you know cool if I uh, got the opportunity." But I never thought it would ever happen. Um, and then they ended up reaching out uh, my senior year, and kind of just rolled from there. But I mean, I learned a lot. You know, you uh, it's a big spotlight. Um, it is it's kind of crazy very surreal moments uh you know you're like walking on the beach with some of your friends and you got three cameras falling around everyone's kind of looking at you um but i mean you know at the end of the day it was uh still just a you know cool opportunity and looking back at it it was just like something that now for the rest of my life i have uh something to kind of look at my senior year and rewatch it and uh i mean distraction parts of it were i mean i guess there's just a camera on you all the time and it uh, like going to like family meals and stuff, you'd have like a camera on you and you, know, you had to watch what you said and uh, made sure, you know, you kind of look good at some, at like all points of the day. But, you know, overall, it was uh, really just a cool experience and something that I have to be able to look back at and was blessed by, you know, the opportunity to have to be on it. Were they, were they ever applying any makeup to you before uh, you got on set? <laughs> no, not so much. They were, uh, it was all pretty, you know, like everything was, <laughs> unscripted and pretty real so uh maybe they should have if that's what you're Wait, trying to get out, QB doesn't good. need any makeup he looks good uh, <laughs> no. did, did you feel like people were uh, noticing you more like on the streets and stuff or how did that go um i definitely after like it aired on like uh i can't remember what it was like go 90 or something um but then it once it hit netflix it kind of took off i mean i have like like you know like the kids that you know follow that uh are, are pretty loyal fans um you know, it's cool. Like, it's it's always fun to, like, have somebody that looks up to you. It definitely puts more pressure on everything you do. You know, you have to watch what you say. You watch what you put on social media because, you know, like, there's <clears throat> a younger audience looking down at – looking up at you uh, for that. But, yeah, it was more like when it hit Netflix, it was kind of the big – bigger following. So, younger kid – well, a lot of younger quarterbacks know me. Right. If I show up, oh, you're the kid from QB1, which is – Cool and not cool, because I'd rather be, like, known for actually being good at football, not just being on a Netflix show, but that's besides the point. Did it help you with uh, any media attention at Wake Forest, just how to handle anything? Yeah, it definitely did. Like, they were uh, they were very cool, like, the producers uh, that I worked with for it. Um, and they were, they were they like, not trained me, but definitely uh, it opened me up to just kind of, not what the media wants to hear, but like how they're going to ask questions. And, uh, and then just, yeah, being in front of a camera that kind of comes with the job, uh, as it being a show, 
So that's kind of like with interviews, post-game, pre-game, just during the week of leading up to a game, it makes it a little bit more comfortable. But it still always is kind of a like a game. You know, it's like it's a lead-up, that icebreaker question, that first play of the game. It's always like you get a feel for what's going to happen once it, you know, starts up. 100%. So kind of stay on the topic of uh, your high school career. Can you tell us a little bit about your transition? I know you went through uh, a couple of high schools there, ending up at Oceanside your senior year. Can you go into that a little bit? Yeah. Uh, so fun fact is I hated football my freshman year. Uh, it was, you know, like the worst part of my day after school ended. I hated going to practice. Um, I was a tackling dummy. Um, I played punch shield and I was the kickoff return guy. And it was live every single period for, you know, high school is there's no, you know, shells day. It's always, you know, full pads and it's, it was Oklahoma drill, all that stuff. And uh, I didn't, I didn't enjoy it at all. Um, and, and then I kind of, you know, it hit me uh, halfway through the season. I was like, I kind of had to make a choice is either stick with football or just call it quits and play baseball and basketball. And uh, kind of at that point, I just, it was actually, I was walking into my coach's office to tell them that I wasn't going to play anymore. I was done with it. And my best friend, who's still pretty much like my, from home, one of my only friends from home still is, well, I was walking by. I was like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, man, I just don't know. I don't really want to play anymore. Like, this isn't fun. This, I thought I was going to be playing. Like, I thought I was you know, going to be the star, the quarterback. And I'm a tackling dummy playing JV receiver. And he was like, nah, man, like, uh, let's go. And he, he actually took me. There was a cookout down the road. I don't know. You guys are from the north. You know what a cookout is. Um, <laughs> he, took me down, he took me down to there's a new cookout. And we got, like, Oreo milkshakes. And he stocked it over and ended up sticking oh, it out. Cookout. We know cookout. That cookout <laughs> sauce, that hits good. Okay. Okay. That's respect. A little, a little, <laughs> little respect gain right here. Um, and so we, we ended up – I ended up not quitting. And then the whole – my whole high school is just about really – after that was just – programs folding so that so that program that I was at my freshman year ended up just falling out um, so I had to find a new home uh, ended up finding it at Davidson Day uh, played there for two years won the starting job sophomore year played my junior year and then going into my senior season like my junior spring they're like hey like we're not gonna have a football team anymore so I was like oh crap so I had to find a new place and then that coach ended up moving down to Charleston and you know, for a month, I just didn't know what I was going to do. Do I just stay at the big public school, play a year? I'm already committed. It doesn't matter. And then, or do I follow my coach, help him out? An 0-8 season, like 0-8 record before. And, like, we, I went down there for, like, a throwing session, and it was some – it was like the first episode. I don't know if you've watched it. It was, it was bad. But I just felt like with my coach and just everything he had done for me, I was like, you know, with uh, we were fortunate enough to be able to, like, financially afford the move, and we ended up just doing it. And, kind of rolled from there it was uh Charleston was a cool place as well like it kind of sold me just going to the beach every day and you know fishing and it was so that that kind of helped the, the move process definitely definitely so you mentioned fishing there um I know you're a pretty big fisherman um yeah maybe talk about that a little bit most satisfying catch any crazy stories out in the water yeah um so I guess I'll give you why um why I like fishing so much um as corny as it sounds Catching the fish is cool, like whatever. Um, but for me, it's like the process part of it. Um, like I love catching bait. Like that's all I do right now is I just stock up for like my dad and my brother so I can go out and catch fish. Um, and just like setting tackle and making sure the boat's clean. Um, I think that's just the fun part of it for me, like finding the fish and then catching it. Like I like at this point, like when I was younger, I loved just catching fish because it's just cool. Like, you know, it's a fun, 
fun experience, but um, I think it was now it's just for me as a process. And that's what I love about football. It's just everything that leads up to the game. Like game days are great. That's like, you know, when you get to show off for all the hard work you've been putting in in the off season. And that's like the same for fishing is, or for fishing for me is uh, the process that leads up to it. And then it's like, you catch a fish. It's like, all right, well, all that work uh, before it, you know, ended up working. Uh, crazy stories. Hmm. Down in Charleston, I caught a eight foot stingray. Um, it was in the jetties. It's like the waterway where all the big ferry or the big uh, barges come in. So it's like 90 feet of water. And like it came up beside the boat and like was, it was like one of those like river monster type deals where you just look at it and you, you just don't feel safe. Um, that was probably, that was probably one of the, the scariest like moments. Um, I'm trying to think that's about it. Nothing like too crazy. We went off, uh, like 40 miles one day, like on a, like on a Wednesday before a game or a Thursday before a game, we went off like 40 miles and, uh, there was like a hundred feet of water and they, we were like swimming out there. It was pretty cool. Probably not the smartest thing to do before a game, but we did it and we ended up losing that game. So I kind of blame it on that, but it's whatever. It's high school, you know, like the Odell boat situation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like if we took a picture out there, it'd be the instant meme classic right. that just, just blew up the Charleston area. Uh, so kind of getting back into the football stuff a little bit, I'm wondering why you chose Wake Forest. It seems they've kind of like burst on the scene the last few years. Uh, did you see that they were building something special there or what was like a hometown thing or what? Um, yeah. So I think um, out of high school, I mean, I wasn't crazy recruited. Like I wouldn't say I wasn't recruited. Uh, I think really I went on a Wake's campus, really liked it. But I mean, for me, it was uh, getting around the guys. Like that's what I tell a lot of kids that are like, yo, like, why'd you choose Wake? I was like, man, it was just like on a Friday, Saturday night that I'd go up there because it's so close. I'd just go hang out. And I knew I played with one of the players in high school. So I'd just go stay at his place and I'd just come out. He's like, dude, just get around the guys. If you don't like the guys, then just don't come. And if you do, then you should probably come because that's who they recruit. Um, and I really just, you know, met a couple of them that were like junior seniors and just, you know, fell in love with the way, like how they carried themselves, what they were about. And it uh, really just push me to you know end up there and it was it was early decision for me and I just it never really wavered because they were loyal to me they recruited one quarterback they believed in me and you know since I've been there kind of everything that I've wanted to happen or like dreamed of it happening happened like and that's just been very I've been very fortunate about that and so um, I think that was the biggest thing was just the the guys on the team and just the culture that it, it seemed and it wasn't even like in the locker room when they you know it's like they're getting paid to tell me that Wake's great it's like out of the locker room when they're you know, at a football house and it's the line, middle linebacker giving you that, that heartfelt speech that you're going to lead them to the ACC championship one day type deal. So. Well, yeah. another uh, guy who is obviously on the Wake Forest team, QB1 alum, Tavon Bowers. Can you talk about your relationship with him and do you guys still keep in contact? Yeah, no, Tay was, a, Tay was the man. I, uh, I really enjoyed meeting him. They like that whole, that's, that's the one really cool part about it is the, uh, like the QB room um, and really every position room, it's always, there's no really battles. Um, it's, I mean, it's, of course, we're going to compete on the field. We want to be the guy, but uh, Tavon was always, you know, he's a goober, like a lot. He didn't, you didn't get to see the real Tavon Bowers uh, on television. That kid is a clown um, <laughs> in a good way. He, he is a, he's a, he's a funny dude. And uh, I, I enjoyed, I, I miss, I miss those guys. I miss Jamie. I miss uh, Tay. It's a, they were, they were a good group of guys and, um, but no, he's a, he's just a really good kid and a, a really fun person to be around. 
That's awesome. That's great. So uh, how about your biggest influence in life? Can you talk to us about that? Ooh, that's a, that's a loaded question. Um, yeah, I got, I'll give you three if that's okay. Yeah, go for it. Um, so all, all family members. So I'd first start with my dad. Um, I think he, he just, you know, I think he just resembles a guy that just does everything the right way. Uh, he's an orthopedic spine surgeon. Um, you know, he just, his whole life, he's just had to work, work and work. And a lot of, uh, a lot of the things it's, it's, it's kind of the same, a similar reason as my second person as my older brother. One, I have both my older brothers are my other heroes. Um, but similar reason is just there in the medicine field. It's, it's a lot different than my field, a lot different. A lot of other people's fields is there's not a lot of, you know, instant gratification for what you're doing. Like my brother right now is studying for the MCAT and like that, there's no gratification in that uh, other than when you take the test and if you pass or not. So the, just the studying and the hours that he has to put in to uh, kind of, you know, never really get a pat on the back of, you know, 30,000 people cheering at you on like that to me is pretty, pretty crazy and pretty impressive to, you know, have the drive and have the, uh, you know, motivation that, you know, at the end of the day, he's going to be making X and being able to do this like and all that. But for right now, it's just, you know, there's no, there's no glory. It's all grind. Um, and then lastly would be my oldest brother who actually passed away. Um, he, he was probably like, one of the biggest influences of me playing, kept playing football and playing football. And then just his story of just coming from, he was adopted and just coming from nothing and being able to get a college scholarship, play at Elon, start as a freshman, and then just kind of through all the adversity, kind of just stay true to who he was and always was just, just a light. And uh, so those, those three are probably the biggest influences of everybody. Thanks for Maybe sure. Maybe Kobe. Maybe a little Kobe Bryant here and there. Kobe, a little Kobe beef. Yeah. So yeah. kind of going off the hard work thing, uh, 2018, you go down with a leg injury, kind of hit some serious adversity there. How nice did it feel to get back out there last year, kind of get a little redemption game against uh, Florida State? Oh, man, that was that was awesome. That was the one I had circled going into the year. Um, I mean, every game is a big game, but especially when I how poorly I played at Florida State. Um, that was very cool. I mean, I still played like crap that game. Um, just some jitters, you know, it's always right. um, a big, a big, you know, rush when you, you get out there and it's been, a, it was a little while I played against Louisville the week before, but that was just a little taste. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was a big setback. I mean, that whole process, you come in and play, I'm a freshman, not supposed to happen. I mean, everybody, Hey, with the coaches, we want to retro you. Hey, we want to retro you. Okay. And then I just, the way the cards, you know, came out, it was just like, you're going to have to play and you got to play right away, uh, which was awesome. It was a very cool experience. You know, not a lot of people say that, but uh, I learned, I more learned than anything. It was just like, this isn't easy. Like there's a lot of work uh, that needed to be put in. And um, I think that one of the biggest things going into this, this year uh, was just the responsibility on your shoulders. I mean, at any school, any level, it's like you have that whole program now on your back and you have every single coach's paycheck, their family is like, if I don't come to play today, if I'm, you know, BSing on a Saturday night or Friday night, Thursday night, when, if I'm just not taking my, my sports seriously, like I could cost them their job, their family, you know, income, like everything. And it, it sounds like, well, not really, but if I come and play, then they're keeping their job, you know, they're, you know, they're going to, you know, have like food to feed their family. They're, they're getting a signing bonus. If we make it to a bowl, we, we win an ACC champ, like that kind of deal. 
And so that was kind of what I learned through that process of like trying to get back to being the starter and then losing it. And then being like, well, you know, I want, why did I lose it? And then, okay, I got a little taste of it. Now going in this year, it's like, all right, I got the taste. I know how to get it. Now it's just putting everything together and, you know, leading it into this, this next season. For sure. So I see you got a little uh, Wolverines banner back there. Should us Wake Forest fans be a little worried? Let's go with that. Oh, nah, man. I was, I was wondering if that was going to come up. That's really funny. <laughs> um, no, it's, it, that was my dream school when I was growing up. My mom's from Michigan. That was, that was my first ever college football game I went to. That's when I fell in love. I was like, okay, this is pretty cool. 100,000 people going nuts as, you know, you know, whatever, 105 guys running on the field in maize and blue. But, no, nah, that, that dream's long gone. I'm, I'm happy where I'm at. It's just kind of a, a slogan of those who stay will be champions. So, I guess maybe I get, you guys might get another year out of me or something. But nothing about the maize and blue. You're better off in the Carolina weather anyways. Exactly, yeah. Screw the, you know, snow games. Yeah, I'm not about that at all. Um, Awesome. So kind of just to wrap things up, we kind of want to do a little – I just have one more question, Spencer. So you guys beat uh, UNC Duke and uh, NC State last year. Are you guys uh, now the team to beat in North Carolina going forward? Yeah, I think it always um, – it's always a big rivalry in there. Like, I think uh, not a lot of people uh, expected that sweep to happen. I know that's for sure in the North Carolinas. I think it's always – we're always kind of a supposed little brother. But, I mean, in at Wake Forest and in our program, we know, like, you know, we want to be top dog in every – in all categories. And I think we – like, for UNC, we beat them, uh, like, in everything, like basketball too. Uh, so it's just, it's always, that's a fun, that's a big game. We won't play UNC. We play UNC, I think next year. Um, but it's always fun. Like I work out with, uh, Sam Howell a little bit. So it was, you know, good, some good shit talking there. Okay. Sorry if I cursed, I didn't want to mess that up. I, <laughs> um, and, uh, but it's, it was, it's, a, it's a fun, like kind of badge to wear and, a, you know, it's a cool honor going into next year, but it also puts a nice, like you said, it's going to put a nice target on our back for those games. And so we got to be ready to go. Right. Cool, cool. So to wrap things up, we kind of just want to do a speed round of questions. Uh, we all have a, a couple that we uh, have in our minds. So, all right. Um, favorite Kardashian? Oh, uh, Kendall. Is Kendall the the not like the natural one? Sorry, that I think, <laughs> right? I think uh, she Madison, her you know, yeah. more defined. <laughs> yeah, like Ken. No, yeah, Kendall. I say Kendall. I'll go Kendall. Okay. Do you know who Tyler Cameron is? Yeah, TC. Do you think you're the next Tyler Cameron? <laughs> I hope not. I hope not. Uh, I hope I make it. I hope I make it a little out of non-reality TV. But I guess I'm. I might be already typecasted into being a TV star with QB one. So I don't know. Maybe my my fate is already set. But I hope I play a little in the in the league before I get into that. Uh, Wendy's, McDonald's, or Burger King? Ooh. I mm, is the is McDonald's uh, McFlurry machine working? Ooh, good question. That's, tough. That's a great question. It's a fifty-fifty. Uh, I'm gonna say. Got to no, factor that in. No, usually it's not working. It's not working. <laughs> and wait, what was, is McDonald's, Burger King, and Wendy's? Yeah. Oh shoot, man! I haven't eaten on any of those in so long. I I'm just gonna go McDonald's because of the fries, and then that off chance that the McFlurry machine's working, I'm gonna go there. Sure. I think cookout trumps them all, though. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, you know, can I bring my wild card cookout in? There's always gas. <laughs> I'll count it. I'll count it. 
Okay, Luke Holmes or Morgan Whalen? If if Morgan if he if he dropped his album today, I would say yeah. I'm gonna go Luke Holmes. So I'm gonna go Luke Holmes. Because yeah. he's a Carolina boy, so I gotta go Luke. And then Brady or Manning? Oh, Brady, easy. Good answer. Good answer. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know who I'm talking to. Come on now. <laughs> and what about your favorite meme? Foo. Oh, that's that's like the greatest question ever. <laughs> I feel like that's gonna be the one that everyone judges me on right there. <laughs> wow, that's tough. Favorite meme. Oh my goodness. I could like write an essay on this. Uh favorite my favorite meme. I'm trying to think of what like would be like one that makes me look cool. Uh man, this is you are standing steez, so come on. Yeah, I know. My name is Steve. I need to have a sick, sick meme. Come on, Hartman. Think. What would be a good one that people would laugh at? Um, I, I'm a stonks guy. I'm going to be honest. Stonks. <laughs> I love that one. <laughs> the greatest one. Oh, yeah, Alan, you know what I'm talking about? You know the one? Oh, I know, I know, you, I know, you know the, the TikTok one, though? You know what I'm talking about? I actually know the one you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. You know it? Yeah. Gosh, that, oh, one, awesome. that one is legendary. <laughs> I didn't mean to send that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that one is great. That one, that's that one all time. That's all time. <laughs> all right, I, I thought they had an Instagram page. Go ahead. Sorry. No, you're good. So just one last thing. I was uh, scrolling through my Instagram feed, looking at some stories this morning, and I came across yours of the uh, – you had reposted the Israel Adesanya dance coming out of the uh, coming up to the ring. Are we gonna see a little bit of that uh, coming out of the tunnel this year for Wake Forest? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, we're gonna all synchronize do the. Uh, <laughs> if I could dance, maybe, but no, I doubt it. Um, that guy's a man. He's a he's a something else, man. That's a that's a tough sport. I don't know how they do that. I, I would, if somebody said I'm prepared to die, it's you're getting a tap from me. I'm going to say, hey, man, great fight. Congrats on the couple mil. I'm going to take my check and survive this. So, But, yeah, I don't know. I doubt it. But maybe, maybe. Just got to tune in and see. I mean, that that hyped me up. That sprung me right out of bed this morning. Yeah, I, that's I, a, it's, a mo it's a motivator. You got to get ready going. to go. It's got me going. All right, awesome, Sam. Uh, that's, that'll be it for our interview today. Um, really appreciate you coming on the pod. And uh, – Good luck this season. Stay safe out there. All right, man. You too. Thanks for having me, y'all. Good luck. And uh, go Deeks. Oh, yeah. Thank go you. Deeks. Later, man. Appreciate it. Peace, my man. Peace. I just flipped the switch. Flip, flip. So kind of switching up topics. I think the Jalen Green news is pretty big. He decided to forgo the NCAA and instead go to the G League. He was promised – $500,000 as an elite prospect and also the potential of a sneaker deal. seems like more and more players are starting to realize their worth and uh, skip the NCAA and make some money instead of uh, just going to the NCAA and getting nothing. I mean, even though they're probably getting paid there, I think they're getting paid more by these other things. Uh, I think it's pretty cool. What, what do you guys think about it? I mean, I for sure think it's a great opportunity to know your worth and having an opportunity to capitalize, capitalize on that. But for fans, 
of NCAA basketball. I mean, what's the future going to look like? I mean, is March Madness going to be the same? Are teams going to be the same? Or is attendance in the long run going to be the same when you're not having the stars of um, high school coming up and, and having like performing for you and your team and they're in the G league. I mean, that's a big, big, big difference. And I feel like the NCAA needs to like find a way or like scramble to maybe keep like find a way to keep these guys. But I honestly don't see it happening. Yeah. I mean, the whole, I mean, there's been a trend over the last couple of years of guys going, um, you know, playing overseas, Lamella Ball recently, potential first overall pick, uh, played over in Australia for the New Zealand, or New Zealand, rather, for the New Zealand Breakers. And, you know, I think Adam Silver raising the uh, salary of these potential elite prospects for the G League to 500K definitely draws more of an interest for these guys to join the G League as opposed to the NBL. I mean, RJ Hampton as well, who is a uh, potential top 10 pick as well, will be uh, coming over from New Zealand. And I think it definitely um, brings up some more competition in terms of guys wanting to stay in the U.S. versus going overseas due to the influx in uh, salary. I mean, you know, I, I agree these guys in some of the NCAA programs are probably getting paid. I mean, Jason Tatum tweeted out that he wouldn't, uh, he wouldn't forgo his uh, year at college to go to the G League. Um, and then I think Brad Bradley Beal commented saying that, so Duke paid you more than 500 k Yeah. <laughs> that was um, awesome. So, I mean – I mean, there's no risk involved if you're going into the G League or playing overseas, so definitely something for these athletes to consider. Right. So my friend Will Buddington wrote, a, wrote an article on this for our website, Chalk It Up Daily. We're kind of entering unprecedented territory here because people who have not gone to the NCAA players uh, have never really been in the top 10 pick territory. You think of Donovan Mitchell or Anthony Simmons have all been kind of late first round, late second round, flyers, athletic, developmental players. But now we're getting into LaMelo Ball, RJ Hampton, possible. People are talking LaMelo being the first pick overall. So I think this kind of changes things. We're hitting like a gray area where if these guys like are able to become top 10 picks, it pretty much changes everything for college basketball because it's going to have more and more people or – like top players skipping it. So NCAA definitely has to scramble because something is happening right now. It's like new. Yeah. And obviously as a player, if you're like Zion Williamson, you should want to make money off of your athletic capabilities. I mean, I don't see an issue with athletes wanting to do that. So I think they for sure need to make a decision on the, it's such a, weird territory especially with california passing that law or talking about passing the law um we'll see what happens but i think it's for sure going to be interesting the next few years i saw a tweet where someone was like if you're an awesome computer science person you can go to google and make a bunch of money for an internship 
but if you're really good at basketball for some reason you can't use that to get money which is pretty weird yeah so so a team that is in contention for a top 10 pick the chicago bulls recently just had some exchanges in their front office um recently hiring uh, i believe Denver Nuggets, uh, ex-personnelman, yes. Arturus Karnisavis. Mm-hmm. With, with the departure of uh, famous Bulls GM Garpax. Jared, what do we feel about this move? Yeah, so big Bulls fan. Gar Foreman and John Paxton are out. I think Bulls fans have been waiting for this for a really, really long time. I'm just going to... So I'm very passionate about it. I think I'm just going to delve into some of the things they did. I think they're honestly pretty funny. Uh, so traded away Jimmy Butler. Uh, traded for Doug McDermott and Anthony Randolph in exchange for two picks, which became Joseph Nurchich and Gary Harris. Gave Jabari Parker a two-year $40 million deal when he sucked. Uh, I mean, back in the day, they traded away LaMarcus Aldridge for Tyrus Thomas and Victor Karai Cryapa. And then last thing I'll say is gave Cristiano Felicio. Yeah, you pr- like no one even knows who that is. A four-year $32 million deal. So obviously they fucking sucked. Time for them to leave. Uh everyone in Chicago should be celebrating that if there wasn't corona, they should have a parade right now. I'm gonna be honest, I don't even know like some of those names. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, so they hit on D Rose back in the day. And I guess that kind of just kept them afloat because obviously he was awesome, but just systematically derailed a playoff team. The D Rose playoff years pre-injury were some of my favorite years. Uh, so good riddance to them. Hopefully this guy, he's done good things with the nuggets. So hopefully he does good things for the bulls. Speaking of the bulls, big documentary coming out. Tomorrow, I believe, April 19th, um, the Michael Jordan prize documentary. Um, you know, there's been a lot of uh, hype about this documentary over the last few weeks. Uh, the documentary actually got moved up uh, due to the coronavirus, so people had something to do in their homes. Um, there had been some reports that MJ wanted the documentary to happen because of the LeBron uh, Cavaliers beating the 73 and 9 Warriors and he wanted to show the younger generation uh, how how guess I guess talented uh, the Bulls team were compared to these other teams so it's just another uh, moment of MJ showing that he really uh, does not want to step away from the top and alpha we will see. We will see. If, uh, uh, there, there's news that came out that he said people are going to think he's a dick on the documentary. And I'm all for it. I'm so excited to see MJ like beating the shit out of Steve Kerr in practice or something like that. Uh, uh, the real alphas like him and Kobe are, are dicks, I think. And they just want to win so bad that they just like come off as assholes. I'm super excited. I love MJ. I love his attitude. Mm-hmm. I think I think people are going to be pumped about this one. I think especially younger generations didn't like didn't grow up watching him, so he's actually like 
such a beast competitor just gets so fumed and like he's just amazing so I think it would be it's going to be really interesting because we all we just see him now in the limelight just kind of like soaking in his fame so seeing him actually pissed off and getting angry I think it's going to be fun yeah there's definitely like an allure to him because we never really watched him play so I think this documentary will enlighten a few people Onto what is it? It's like an eight-part series or so. How's that? How's that going to work? Ten-part series. Ten-part series. <laughs> yep. So the it first all time comes Twitter, out on Sunday or what? Nah, I think over the course of weeks. I mean, I'm not sure, but it's the first time Twitter like really was like, we should move this up. Like people kept tweeting, ESPN, move it up, move it up, and they actually did it. So shout out the power of Twitter right there. Shouts out the Twitter spheres. Okay, so. Before we finish it off, I just saw something on ESPN. Maybe we want to get into it a little bit. Uh, what would you rather have happen? So there's four choices. D. Rose never gets injured. Chris Paul's trade to the Lakers was not vetoed by the late great David Stern. Uh, KD, Harden, and Russ didn't split up. And Kobe and LeBron face in the finals. What do you guys think? All right. I'm going with Kobe and LeBron in the finals. I mean... How can you argue that? Just Why, <laughs> What? Why? I mean, I'm a huge Kobe girl. I pick him over LeBron any day. But just the two greats of our generation playing against each other in the finals, I mean, that's just what can what else can you ask for, in my Definitely. opinion? Agreed. Definitely would have been interesting to see Kobe in his prime versus LeBron in his prime at the finals. I mean, there might have been some overlap there in their playing careers, but uh, I think the optimal experience would have been both of them in their primes and at the uh, when when they were at their best. Larry Bird, uh, yeah, uh, Magic vibes, yeah, hundred percent. Jared, what do you got? I like I said before, Bulls guy. I think D Rose not getting injured. Uh, the year before he got injured, the MVP year was one of the most electric seasons the NBA has seen. He was flying around, dunking on Goran Dragic. It's still my favorite highlight of all time. Uh, unfortunately, got derailed by injuries. Having an awesome bounce back year with the Pistons. Still a big D Rose fan, but if he never got injured, I think he would have went down as one of the greats. So. Honestly, sad. Yeah, I'm going to go with the alternative option here and um, stick with Katie Harden and Russ never splitting up in OKC. Um, you know, just to see that small market team to be able to have those three guys at the same time and potentially at their primes would have been a sight to see. I think the NBA, uh, um, I don't know, the NBA world would have gone up in uh, flames if they had seen it. Uh, middle market to low market team like Oklahoma City uh, rise to the top and if they were able to gel together and kind of um, shed light on all of their uh, talents and make the best out of each other I think that would have been uh, gone down as one of the best teams of all time in my opinion. Honestly I'm with you on that too because it's the NBA is having a hard time now with these superstar teams just taking over the spotlight and it's not fun for some people say to watch anymore and having someone like Oklahoma, I mean, 
that would have been amazing to have just like competing, like not knowing who's going to be in the conference championship every single year, having that, those guys there. I, I mean, that would be definitely shake some things up. I would think. Definitely. Although I personally don't think uh, Russell Westbrook really gels with anybody. So <laughs> I could see why those two guys wanted to get out of there. Yeah, maybe KD in a couple of years will ship it down to uh, Houston after he gets sick of New York. Yeah. All right, that'll do it for our second episode of Chalk Talk. You can find us on our website under the more, and then pot, click podcast and go to our SoundCloud. Give us a listen. Tell your friends about it. Follow, uh, hit the follow button on SoundCloud. We're putting more episodes out every week. We got awesome interviewees coming up. So just stay along and uh, enjoy the episodes. <laughs>